Tis the month of St. Patty's Day, and here's a random related fact. Did you know that the odds of finding a lucky four-leaf clover are 1 in 10,000? I'd say that's pretty difficult. Fortunately, if you're a business owner or hiring manager, you don't need luck to find top talent for your team. You need ZipRecruiter, and right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. You don't need a leprechaun when ZipRecruiter's brilliant technology is going to walk you right to that pot of gold of top talent. As soon as you post your job, ZipRecruiter powerful technology starts showing you the best qualified candidates for it. Aren't you just a wee bit curious to see how ZipRecruiter can help you? Well, today's your lucky day because you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Once again, just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Are you a person with claustrophobia? You're really uncomfortable in tight enclosed spaces. You can barely stand the middle seat on an airplane and you can't even imagine being trapped inside like something the size of a phone booth. Or are you a person that has ferritrophobia? You have a real paralyzing, chilling fear of caskets and coffins and funeral homes and cemetery. Well, today in this episode of the Oddcast, we're going to marry those together and introduce you to tapphophobia, the fear of being buried alive. Well, we always have an odd one in the crowd. So it's kind of odd. It's decidedly odd. Doesn't that strike you as a little bit odd? No, it doesn't strike me as a little bit odd. It's the Bob and Sherry Oddcast, the stuff we wouldn't, couldn't, or shouldn't do on the regular show. Now, here's the Oddcast. How about it, Max? Any of those any of those phobias? Claustrophobia, fetrophobia, taphophobia? Any um, I know I'm really not afflicted with any of those. Um, my 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 recurring nightmare is that I've been uh, convicted of a crime that I didn't commit. <laughs> That's the one Which that is I so have. interesting to me because you're the most law-abiding person. You know? You are just the most law-abiding person. Um my mom has acrophobia, paralyzing fear of heights. I know people with a paralyzing phobia of snakes. I, I, my thing is I don't like, I really don't like bugs, but that's actually not true. I specifically don't like cockroaches and palmetto bugs because I'm super curious and interested in other kinds of insects. But I think my fear of water bugs and cockroaches comes from when I was little, 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 you know, my grandparents all lived in row homes in South Philly. And they were, you know, old homes with basements. And you're in a big city. And anyone that's lived in a big city knows that part of the deal is roaches and rats. Yep. And, you, you know, it's just they share the space with you and you have to do your part to fend them off. So in the basement of my one grandmother's house was the washer, the dryer a refrigerator, a chest freezer, which, by the way, I think when my grandparents bought the house shortly after World War II, they stocked the chest freezer and then never opened or ate anything that was in there. I think that when that grandmother died, I think there were 50-year-old packages of meat in the very bottom of that freezer. I, it was a, a mystery to me how we never got anything out of the freezer and actually ate it. Sherry, it um, was meat as far as you know. As far as I knew, yeah. Um, and there was a chalkboard down there. So we would go down to the basement and play school. But my, my fear was 
of being asked to go down there and get something out of the refrigerator, you know, like maybe a cantaloupe, which was a big treat back then when I was a kid. Like, oh, we're having cantaloupe. We're like rich people. Or, um, Sherry, will you go downstairs and bring me the clothes that are in the dryer? So I'd go down to the basement. You'd go down the wooden steps, and there was one of those pull chain light bulbs, and you'd pull the light bulb, and the basement was always damp. There'd often be just a little bit of standing water in a small puddle, you know, maybe near like the seam of a wall. And they had those storm doors. I don't know if a lot of people even will know what storm doors are, but they're doors that are like level with the ground from the outside of the house. And you open them up on either side and you descend a flight of dank, mildewy stairs and you can get into the basement that way. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, about, absolutely. Max? Yes. Yeah. So go down there, pull the chain, the lights come on, the bugs scatter. And I was so afraid and so fearful that I had a nightmare when I was a little girl that I went down to the basement to get something for my grandma out of the fridge. And there was a giant bug, a giant, we called them water bugs in Philly, a giant bug the size of an NFL linebacker standing down there waiting for me. Like, The dream was so vivid, I can still see it, okay? So that's my phobia. It never occurred to me to have a phobia about heights. Never really was up very high ever. Never occurred to me to have a phobia of coffins and graveyards. And here's why. Children in Italian-American families are dragged to open casket services as soon as they're toilet trained. Like the diaper comes off and you're showing up at Monty's funeral home to look at some (laughs) relative you've never met and watch all the adults go, oh, my God, Philomena looks like she's sleeping. (laughs) She looks so natural. (laughs) Look, Sherry, go up and say Hail Mary. Yeah, for myself, I'm terrified. (laughs) My God, this is awful. So. But even with that, I never developed the phobia. How could I? I have what they call exposure therapy. How could you be afraid of dead people in coffins when the height of the social calendar for your family is, oh, good, there's a viewing. Maybe we can go have cake after. (laughs) Right? But there's an entire phobia around being buried alive. And there's a real righteously good reason for why you might have tap phobia buried alive oh my god could you imagine there was like a movie it's i don't even know when it was made i couldn't tell you the name of it sometimes when i was very 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 little my mom would let me sneak out of bed and watch old movies with her in the middle of the night before we moved out to wyoming and had no tv no telephone no food heater hope Um, my dad worked for the philadelphia gas company he did shift work So my mom, my teenage bride of a mother, you know, would stay up all night watching scary movies. And we watched one together one night and the person was buried alive and they were clawing frantically at the roof of the coffin. Oh, so bad. Even that didn't cause me to develop a phobia. But here's the thing. People have been buried alive. I'm going to tell you a couple of true stories. And if you like this kind of content, you should totally listen to our other podcast, True True Weird Weird Stuff. Stuff. We drop new episodes of that every Friday. The oddcast is pretty casual. Like half the time, we don't even know what the hell we're talking about. True Weird Stuff is much more like, you know, planned to give you something that's true and weird. 
And this kind of fits there as much as it fits on the Oddcast. But I want to tell you about what happened to a 40-year-old man. He was in Germany. This was in 1822, 40 years old. There were some questions about his death, in part because he was 40 years old and a shoemaker, which, you know, he's not a soldier or a butcher or an executioner or, you know, something that would be considered like a dangerous, dirty job. I mean, even Mike Rowe on the Discovery Channel would have to agree that being a shoemaker doesn't seem all that diabolical. But he died. Now, the family had some questions. They said he looks dead, but there's no rigor mortis. This is 1822. Folks, there's no embalming. There's no funeral home. There's, you know, oh, well, dad hasn't moved in a couple hours. I guess we should dig his grave. Okay? Like, basically, that's it, right? So they dig his grave. And they put him in the coffin. And they drop him into the earth. Now, back then, when there wasn't embalming and refrigeration, if you didn't move for a couple of hours and folks decided you's dead, you were getting into the grave, okay? Like, there wasn't days and days and days. So the grave digger is shoveling the last bit of dirt onto the grave, and he hears it. He hears a muffled knocking from below. The grave digger is like, what? Now he's frantically shoveling, shoveling, shoveling. He's getting, oh, he's getting the dirt off the coffin. And with his hands, he's prying the lid because they, they used to nail the coffin lid shut. Oh, prying the coffin. And there's the shoemaker. And he's moving. His arms are upward where he's been clawing at the roof of the coffin. His body is warm. They, they bring in the local town doctor. Doc, the grave digger's like, the shoemaker is alive in his grave. The doctor says, well, let me see about that. Cuts open a vein. The guy starts bleeding. The doctor's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that doesn't happen if you're dead. For three days, they tried to resuscitate the man because he was unconscious. See, he had fallen into what we call a coma and what they called dead for three days. And then finally, he actually did die, and they laid him to rest for a second time. And I, I got to tell you, I, I cannot find anything in the historical record that tells me that that poor 40-year-old bastard deserved any of it. <laughs> it's just the worst possible thing. He's in a coma. He comes to enough to realize he's in a coffin, lapses back into a coma, and then he's gone. Let me tell you another story. This one's a little closer and, to home. And, and I think that some of this was, isn't that where the, the Saved by the Bell, I'm seeing that on a couple of places on the internet because I wanted to double oh, yeah. check to make sure it was right. But what they would do is they would put a bell outside the coffin after they buried you with a string down just in case you, you were buried alive. You could ring the bell and go, hey, I'm the here. The Victorians. Oh, the Victor you guys, the Victorians, there's so much going on with the Victorians. They're so sexually repressed and you know, they they've got all these like whack ideas about death, including installing coffin bells, which is where we get the expression, as you said, saved by the bell. Let's go a little closer to home. It's nineteen fifteen. We're in South Carolina, and a thirty year old woman named Essie Dunbar um, dies of a fatal epileptic seizure. Doctors declare her dead. They put her body in a coffin. 
and they say, all right, we're going to have the funeral not today, which is what they would have done, right? We're going to have the funeral tomorrow because Essie's sister lives a few bit, a few miles away out of town and, and we want her to be able to pay her respects. But as, as hard as Essie Dunbar's sister tried to get home in time for the funeral, again, it's 1915, you know, you're relying on horses. She gets there just in time to see the last clods of earth thrown on the grave. And she's devastated, y'all. That's her sister. I've never had a sister. I can't even imagine what it would be like to lose one. And that woman in her grief says, no, I can't. No, no, I have got to see Essie with my own eyes one more time. I have got to kiss my sister's cheek before she goes to heaven to be with the Lord. And she demands they dig the coffin up. And they all look at each other. And you all know how you are when a woman's kind of hysterical. You're like, oh, she's hysterical. We've got to do something. There's, we got to do something with this hysterical woman before she bursts into flames, takes out the town. So they decided that it would be an act of real human kindness to go ahead and let this woman see her sister and kiss her sister's soft, sweet cheek one last time. They dug up the grave. They lifted the coffin out of the ground. They pried the lid open. And when they did, Essie Dunbar sat up and smiled at everybody and lived another 47 years. Wow! Died at the ripe old age of 74. And her sister, it's too bad tattooing wasn't a thing back then, because if I was her sister, I would have had I told you so tattooed on my head. Want another one? Yes. I'm going to take you a little bit back now to France and the year 1867. Her name was Philomele Jeanette. And she got cholera. You know, people now, like, piss and moan if we ask them to wash their hands after they pee. Seriously. But we, you know, we have uh, eradicated polio and smallpox. And now we don't, you know, wait to be all wiped out by the scourge of cholera. For God's sakes, take your vitamins, wash your hands, get your shots. Anywho, poor Philomela gets the cholera. She's only 24 years old. And she falls into what they called a state, and she was pronounced dead. A priest was summoned. She was a devout Catholic, and a priest was summoned to give her last rites. And they placed her body in a coffin. And just 16 hours later, they lowered that coffin into her grave for a couple of reasons. One, no embalming. Two, cholera. They, you know, they had to, they had to deal with it, right? The gravedigger is shoveling the last bits of soil onto the grave. What do you think he hears? Hello, not quite dead yet. Hello, hello. <laughs> Muffled knocking, like in our first story of the shoemaker. So the gravedigger, and I, you know, I don't know what they paid gravediggers back in the day, but my gosh, there was quite a bit going on with that job. Did you ever see the movie Garden State? Yes. Where um, Peter um, Sarsgaard plays a modern-day gravedigger in New Jersey. Yes. Like, gravediggers were, you know, were often kind of characters, from what I understand. But maybe they had a right to be characters, since at any given time, you might have to dig the body back up. And that's what happened here. So he digs her up, he pries open the lid of the coffin again, and he lights a candle 
and he holds it under her nose. Now there's no, like he was expecting that maybe the the breath coming from her nostrils would extinguish the candle. That didn't happen. But her eyelid was twitching and, and he could hear rhythmic sounds that he thought were breathing. So they basically just sat and watched her. And then the next day she died for real and then they buried her again. Do you detect a pattern here? Do you see what the problem is here? Mm. I'm going to give you one more before we wrap up this heartwarming fun <laughs> for the whole family episode. Gee, sure, I was feeling kind of down today, but you told me about these people buried alive and wow. Well, I mean, you have to love the Essie Dunbar story. Yeah. Sits up in her coffin, waves at everybody, lives another 47 years. Now we're going to fast forward to 1937 and the story of Angelo Hayes, who was 19 years old. And he had, he was on his motorcycle and he had an accident and the impact threw him from the motorbike headfirst into a brick wall. It was a terrible, terrible accident. And because he went face, headfirst, face first into the brick wall, he was so battered that his own parents were prevented from seeing him. The, the folks in 1937 said, we just, we just can't. His mother will never, ever, ever be able to get that image out of her mind. So the doctors say, we can't find a pulse. So we're going to declare it. And they break the news to the parents. Parents are devastated. Three days go by and they have a funeral. But then... And, and this is an interesting fact, because remember, now we're in 1937, so we're really in the modern world, right? And in the modern world, we have something called insurance. And the insurance company launched an investigation because they didn't want to pay out a nickel to Angelo Hayes' parents. So two days after the funeral... The insurance company requests that his body be exhumed. And the um, request is granted. And once again, we get the grave digger. Get your shovel. We got to dig up Angelo. Grave diggers dig up Angelo. They pull the coffin out of the grave. They pry the lid of the coffin open. Angelo is warm. And he's breathing. Because Angelo wasn't dead. Angelo was in a deep coma. And apparently when you're in a deep coma, your body just does not need as much oxygen. And so he was able to survive two days buried six feet under in the cemetery with the minimal amount of oxygen that might be in that box with him that might be able to reach him. He was able to survive. And you know what happened next? He made a complete recovery. In the 1970s, Angelo Hayes, now he's much older than, he's 19 years old in 1937, right? So now he's a fully grown up man. In the 1970s, Angelo Hayes built himself a coffin with thick upholstery and a toilet and a library and a little place to store food. (laughs) <laughs> and he went, he went on tour and people came far and wide to see Angelo. 
He was a giant celebrity in his native country of France where all of this happened. <laughs> and if that's not making lemonade out of your lemons, I do not know what is. Here is a man who went face first into a brick wall at, we don't know the speed of the accident, so let's be conservative and say 40 miles an hour. Face first into a brick wall, into a coma, buried alive for two days, dug back up, makes a full recovery, and in the 70s, when apparently just about any damn thing went, said, (laughs) yeah, it's time I made a buck off of this, and went on tour. So if you are a person with a phobia of being buried alive, I have mixed news. It shouldn't happen today with modern medical science and technology and modern mortuary practices. But a couple of months ago, we had a man declared dead who woke up in the drawer at the morgue. You know this news story, Max? Yes, it just happened. It just happened. But we get these once every once in a while where yeah. the person is in the morgue. So that's why I say it's mixed news. Like, here's what I would love to tell you. I would love to say people of, of now, people of 2023, go to sleep tonight knowing that you're probably not going to be buried alive. But there's about a 1% chance that you will. Oh, well, what are you going to do? You're going to have to hope that as Effie Trinket taught us in the Hunger Games, that the odds are ever in your favor. And speaking of odds, thank you for listening to this podcast. This wraps it up for us. New episodes on every Monday. And if you like your truth on the weird side, you definitely want to listen to true weird stuff. New episodes of that drop every Friday. You can find it at Google, Spotify, all the player apps and on Apple. And if you are a true weird stuff listener, welcome to true weird nation. And we ask if you listen on Apple to please click the follow button because we are not a corporate show no. we are an independent show max and doc and i are making true weird stuff for free in our spare time and without y'all listening and clicking the follow button we won't be able to survive for very long and, so. and leave us a review and give yeah. us a star rating that is really 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 helpful if you just take a couple minutes and do that that's great and and if you're wondering why it's helpful because everything is done by algorithms and bots and ai um, Apple Podcasts is just a machine, and if it sees if it sees that you're following a show or rating it, reviewing it, liking it, at the machine that is Apple Podcasts goes, oh, maybe other people would like this, and it pushes it out into the feed so that it gets discovered. So that's why when when you hear podcasters, when you hear us say, can you follow it? Can you rate it? Can you review it? It's because. Um, We've got a limited amount of time before Tony's going to say, guys, you got to shut it down because it's it's too expensive to host it and create it if we can't get some advertising support to keep it going. And that is me giving you the absolute straight truth. <laughs> it is true. So you've got about a 1% chance of being buried alive. That's true. And we really need your help with follow, rate, and review. That's also true. But even if you don't follow rate and review, we're not going to we're not going to put you in a coffin and stick you underground if you're still breathing. No. I can't 
I can't promise somebody else won't, though. It's true. Because life's like that. We'll see you next time on the Oddcast. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Bob and Sherry podcast and the Bob and Sherry Oddcast. We would love if you would subscribe, rate and review, and share it with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you go. And thank you again for listening. Tis the month of St. Patty's Day, and here's a random related fact. Did you know that the odds of finding a lucky four-leaf clover are 1 in 10,000? I'd say that's pretty difficult. Fortunately, if you're a business owner or hiring manager, you don't need luck to find top talent for your team. You need ZipRecruiter, and right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com Bob. You don't need a leprechaun when ZipRecruiter's brilliant technology is going to walk you right to that pot of gold of top talent. As soon as you post your job, ZipRecruiter powerful technology starts showing you the best qualified candidates for it. Aren't you just a wee bit curious to see how ZipRecruiter can help you? Well, today's your lucky day because you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Once again, just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.